Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. There's an old adage that says this. Whichever way the twig is bent, so grows the tree. What does that mean? Well, it just means if I'm in a home and my grandfather and father are both alcoholics, then I'm going to have this tendency to be an alcoholic. That's probably true. But everybody forgets one thing. Here's the verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I think it's safe to say that many, if not most of us, have been told of our resemblance to some family member or another. It may be physical or in personality. It's a matter of genetics and upbringing. The challenge comes when the negative and destructive things in our lives prevent us from being who we know God intended for us to be. Pastor Mark is teaching about the transcendent, transformative power of God. The Bible tells us that when we receive Christ, that we are remade. Pastor Mark will be challenging us to really believe that and let go of the hurts of our past. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Genesis chapter 27, with part two of his message, Real Hurts. The word Manasseh that Joseph chose to name his boy means in the original language, forgot, forget, amnesia. Because of my pharmacy background, versed. Now, why would Joseph name his son forget? I mean, I already got rejection, don't you? I mean, forget you. No, it's because every time he looked at him, he was reminded what God did to the tape of his life. God caused Joseph to forget all his hurts. God caused Joseph to forget how many? How many? Oh, was there anything left on the tape? God caused it. And that was a wonderful thing in his life. It wasn't that he didn't go through it. I put the word versed up there. Many of you have surgery. As you know, seven years ago, I had open heart surgery. And I like versed because when they give it to you when you're in the holding room, pretty soon your head spins, you can't remember nothing. And after surgery, you wake up and you go, are they ready to, are they ready to cut on me yet? And they go, we, we've already finished hours ago. Hallelujah. Now, especially open heart surgery or broken legs or whatever, I don't want to remember on being in an operating table. And I don't want to remember any of that. Praise God. Verse 7. I know I went through it. 
But God removed the hurt. Do you understand? It's not that we're stupid. It's not that we didn't experience the hurt. It's that God has healed the hurt. Now, what did Joseph have to forget? Well, he mentions two things, all kinds of troubles, but then he mentions his family. Joseph said, God caused me to forget my family. How many of you this morning would like to forget some of your relatives this morning? (laughs) Come on, be honest with me. I know maybe some of them are sitting next to you and you can't raise your hands. All right. (laughs) But what kind of family did Joseph have? Here's where I'm going to get emails. That's okay. Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Just send them on. Here's the first statement you need to write down. Joseph grew up in a normal, dysfunctional family. You say, wait a minute, that's like an oxymoron. A normal, dysfunctional family? How many of you in this room grew up in a dysfunctional family? Can can I see your hand? Just hold it there. Okay, all right. Let me give you another question now. How many in this room, and I want everybody to raise your hand if, if you respond. How many in this room grew up in a family? In a family. In other words, you had parents. Let me see your hand. Keep it up. You were born in a dysfunctional family. Every one of us come from a dysfunctional family. You say, well, that's impossible. No, it isn't. Because we had sinful parents. So we're all, I'm not making fun of, some of us had more difficult ones, but none of you will match the one of Joseph. None of you. So what do we do with this? What do I do with this excuse that I am like this because of my family? What do I do with it? What do I do with these generational curses? I'm going to show you this morning. Let me give you the background of Joseph. You see, every family, as you look around us, has the good and has the bad. And you need to do is have the ugly. <laughs> All of us. Joseph had one mother, three stepmoms. His grandfather Laban was a deceiver and an idol worshiper. Joseph's own grandfather and grandmother were both deceivers. And they showed favoritism with their individual sons. Joseph's own father, Jacob, who later becomes Israel, was a deceiver himself. Who cheated his brother out of a family blessing. Jacob was an incredibly poor role model as a father. He was a very weak disciplinarian. Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph is one of those. By four wives. And real early on, he started paying, as you'll see in the scripture this morning, special attention to Joseph out of the 12. Now you talk about a blended family. 12 sons, one daughter, four wives. See, some of us use the excuse, well, I got a blended family now. Nothing good can come from a blended family. That's just Satan. Joseph's sister was raped as a teenager. All of this is on his tape. Two of Joseph's brothers, mass murderers. One other brother committed incest with the stepmother. 
How's that for a dysfunctional family? You see this tape of Joseph, you and I could never even come close to matching what that family background is. Well, what's Joseph going to do with that? How's that going to affect his psyche? Will he be able to live, ever make anything of himself? Will he just be a deceiver, somebody that rapes? Will he be a mass murderer? Will he be a horrible disciplinarian? Well, no, we actually read in the Bible that Joseph was an incredible, godly man. How? How? That's what we want to share. You see, what do we do with these inherited traits that we all have? In the book of Second Chronicles 25, you see this. Yet he did not put their sons to death, but acted in accordance with what is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their fathers. Each is to die, notice, for his own sins. So am I saying this morning that there aren't sinful patterns that follow generation after generation in families? No, I'm not saying that. Certainly there are. Obviously, parents, godly or ungodly, have an incredible effect on their children. Well, then what about all of this? Here's two statements. They're a little long, but you need to write them. The only real generational curse, I prefer to use the word stronghold, is the one Adam passed along to the whole human race. It's sin. You see, when you were born, I dedicated two wonderful children this morning. They're already in a dysfunctional home because their parents were sinners who are now Christians. The children are born into sin. God's grace covers them until they're old enough to make a decision, but that's what this is all about. You see, all of us bring these tendencies... Some of you were raised this morning and your mother had breast cancer or whatever and then the family and other ones colon cancer another one heart disease. and this, Those things are inherited in us. They're just genes that are inherited. We have some spiritual things that are inherited in us. Joseph, man, deceiver, 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 rape, murder. That's in his family line. So you don't want to start naming them. It all goes back to one thing, sin. If there's one real generational curse, is there one cure for that stronghold? Yes, there is. Here it is. The only real, it's coming up in a minute, the only real cure will be one thing. One thing. It comes from Jesus Christ. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus said, I came into the world to rid you of the power of sin in your life. Past, present, and future. So the only cure for this curse or this stronghold is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's our salvation. It's our forgiveness. There's an old adage that says this, whichever way the twig is bent, so grows the tree. What does that mean? Well, it just means if I'm in a home and my grandfather and father are both alcoholics, then I'm going to have this tendency to be an alcoholic. That's probably true. But everybody forgets one thing. Here's the verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. 
So what does that mean to us this morning? Here's what it means. When I come to Christ and God comes into my life, he wipes out all this jazz if I'll allow him. I still have the old sin nature in me. If I have a tendency to some kind of addiction or maybe you're raised at home and your dad or mom were angry all the time or maybe you had, I know many of you here even have a mom that was married five times or eight times or whatever. For instance, Greg Laurie, one of the great evangelists in the Calvary Chapel movement, he had like five dads. His, his mother was always sleeping with somebody new. Well, here's Greg Laurie. An incredible man of God. Not perfect, but incredible. Doesn't have any of those tendencies. Doesn't allow any of that stuff to come into his marriage. Why? Well, the next statement you want to write. And I don't mean to argue about this, and you can use whatever term you want. If you want to cast out a generational curse, then cast it out. That's all right. But I simply need this. There is really no need to cast out a generational curse. Rather, choose to live a life of obedience to God and God's power. You see, it's all a matter of choice. And since I have God in me, I can choose, because of his power, to follow him. And you might be here this morning, in all your life, you believed that you need to cast out this generational stuff, and you have to have deliverance, and there's demons running around and whatever. I don't believe that at all. Not as a Christian. All you have to say to God, and here's what I'll ask you to do during our service this morning, because many of you are going to be set free. You say, well, that's too easy. No, it isn't too easy. You can't do it, but God can do it like that. So when we stand at the end of the service this morning and we worship, you just say to God, you see, let me just be kind to you in a nice way. There's no more excuses. Well, I'm like this because my great-grandfather, he's angry. No, I didn't. My dad cheated. No more excuses. Stop it now in the name of Jesus. Get free this morning in the name of Jesus. You're miserable. You see, we have to take responsibility for who I am right here. I can't change you. Take responsibility as an adult this morning. Quit brain. Man, I got to go back and message my. If you know my great grandfather back in here, let me see if I can find him. I know he's in here somewhere. My God. And don't laugh about it. Change this morning. I can't change. You choose to change. Or you choose to stay the same. It's your choice. Well, it can't be that easy. It is that easy. Because it's God. So at the service, you just stand and you just pray a prayer like this. God, my dad. God, my dad. He just kind of ignored me. Or my mom made fun of me. And because of that, it's always bent my outlook on life. And I don't trust people. And I can't be open to my kids. And I can't be intimate, not in a sexual way, but an intimate way with my husband or wife. I can't let them know how I really feel because I was just raised in a home that you never showed emotion. God wants to free you of that today. He wants you to be real. Because when that bag is empty, life is much more pleasurable. What does Satan want to do? It's your choice. So you just say to God, you name it this morning. And by the way, I'm not into this. I don't think you have to name 143 things. 
Remember I talked about digging? Just say, God, some of the stuff that I've been doing and blaming my relatives, I ask you to take it today. And I'm going to be different. Thanks for doing it. In Jesus' name, amen. By the way, when you get saved, when you went back and accepted Jesus Christ and you confessed your sins, how many sins did you confess? Okay, did you start naming them? You'd be here till when? (laughs) Plus, if you're older, you have Alzheimer's, you could never even remember half of them. (laughs) But he saved you, didn't he? Do you understand what I'm trying to say this morning? Well, I want to bring you my grandfather, my great-grandfather on the left side, and then on the right side, and then on the left side. Forget it. Just be freed this morning in the name of Jesus. Turn to Genesis 37. Now put your seatbelts on because we're going to go fast. Joseph was born, as you know, to Jacob. Joseph's a man of 17. He's the favored son. They're always handling sheep and taking care of sheep in the nation of Israel. And in verse 2, Jacob sends Joseph as a 17-year-old boy out to, well, just to watch on his other brothers. And you see at the end of verse 2, he brought back the father a bad report about them. So here's a 17-year-old that probably doesn't use too much wisdom because he's kind of a tattletale. You're going to see this dysfunctional family coming to life in these verses. Look at verse 3. Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than the other sons because he had been born in an old age and made a richly ornamented robe for him. By the way, parents, if you're here this morning and you consciously pay a special attention to one over another or this one and that, stop it. That's destructive. God gave you all of your children. Well, I like the one that's kind of like me. No, I like the one that isn't like you to bring balance into your life. (laughs) Some of you were raised in a home where you were the black sheep. Give it to God this morning. God loves you. No black sheep in God's family. Because of this, notice verse 4. When the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And could not speak a kind word to him. Now it gets worth, and I'll just paraphrase this for you really quickly. In these next few verses, watch me. Joseph, as a young man, God gives him two dreams at 17. Gives him two dreams. The dreams won't happen for 22 years. Joseph doesn't know when they're going to happen. He probably shouldn't have shared the dreams. Because both of the dreams say this. The first dream is that his other 11 brothers... One day they're going to bow down to Joseph. Now, he's a young guy and they already hate his guts. That isn't like the, hey guys, you know what? God told me one day you're going to bow down to me. That's not exactly wisdom. (laughs) The second dream, and not only would the brothers bow down, but mom and dad would bow down. In this patriarchal society, you can imagine, and dad kind of says, will we bow down to you? So either because Joseph's naive or whatever, we don't want just use his bad judgment. He shares both of these dreams. By the way, God gives us dreams. Some of you this morning don't believe God can give you a dream. God could give you a dream. 
He wants to give you a dream. He wants you to be positive about life. He wants you to see life. He wants you to know that good things are coming your way. It's going to include hurts, but good things overall are coming. He wants you to know that. Dream dreams. He said, well, Pastor Mike, I've dreamed dreams, but they've been crushed. Well, they just dream another one. <laughs> Say, God, I want to be used the best way you know how. God will do it. Joseph has these. Because of this, there's jealousy. There's more hatred. Things aren't good. All of a sudden, if you look down to verse 17, the boys have gone out with the sheep again. Dad says to Joseph, go find him. He finds him in this area called Dothan. Notice in verse 17. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Verse 18, but they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that ferocious animals have devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dream. Now, when Reuben, one of the other brothers, heard this, he tried to rescue him from before their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. God is in control behind the scenes. God is in control behind the scenes. God is in control behind the scenes. Joseph has a dream. He's just walking up. Here's his brothers. He has no idea what they're talking about him. As he's approaching them, they're, they're going, let's kill the guy. Let's get rid of him. Joseph doesn't know. Does God know? Sure, he puts Reuben in there. He puts Reuben, one of the, one of the other sons, and he says to Reuben, you better save Joseph. So Reuben makes a suggestion. Let's save Joseph. Let me remind you this morning. You can be very positive about your life because God's in total control. Some of you are so... Where's my tape? Some of you are so filled with fear that you can't ever enjoy life. What if the business does that? What if I get this? What's going to happen if I have this sign out of my leg? You ladies, when you do your monthly business, oh my God, what, if one month, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to our kids? What's going to do this? And every part of your life is filled with fear. You'll never enjoy life. God gave Joseph a dream. The dream won't happen for 22 years. God's going to take care of Joseph until the dream comes. It doesn't matter what the brothers plot. And by the way, this morning, God's going to take care of you until he's done with you. And if you're Christian, when he's done with you, the next breath's in heaven. Hallelujah. I hope you have a big funeral for me, but I'm out of here. (laughs) I won't be at it. Until then, quit fearing this morning. Get victory over that. It's not from God. So through this series of circumstances... We'll look down. They put Joseph in this pit, and they take his robe from him, and they sit down to eat a meal. Look down in verse 25, and all of a sudden, they see this caravan coming of Ishmaelites. They're on their way with camels and all kinds of spices and balm and myrrh, and they're, they're going to take this group down to Egypt. So the brothers say, in verse 26, Judah, here's another one that saves them. Well, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother. And the brothers agreed. Today, Pastor Mark shared a very personal story illustrating the reality that everyone has hurts in their lives. He also used this account to demonstrate the power of God to make us overcomers of anything. 
We also heard more about the story of Joseph and how God's working in his life enabled him to be in the right place at the right time. The teachings you've been hearing here on Lessons for Living Radio are part of Pastor Mark's series called Prison Break. His accompanying book of the same title is available for purchase online at LessonsForLivingRadio.com along with other books and study materials. If you have any questions about today's message or would like to share a prayer request, we invite you to give us a call at 866-779-3441. Again, that's 866-779-3441. Next time, we'll wrap up the teaching, Real Hurts. Pastor Mark will continue to use the amazing story of Joseph to teach us that God is indeed watching over us and is able to use even horrible circumstances for His glory to make us more in character like Jesus. We will be taught how to forgive, allow God to heal us, and eventually forget harms done to us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.